Welcome to another episode of Filmed in Canada. We it's, a pod, it's a podcast. <laughs> do right? It, do it. Yeah, it is. It, it is, is a podcast. Yeah. We and and uh, it's a podcast about Canadian movies as opposed to other movies. Though uh, this one will have some uh, bleed over into other movies, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Other um, not good movies. Yeah. Alexander Karens, thanks for joining us. Yeah, man. And William Lee, you're over there. That's true. <laughs> And then there's another person that's also <laughs> with us and has been with us before and is back for another episode. Say hi, Chris. Hi, I'm William Lee. Oh, no. Uh, hi. That's my life. Thanks for having me again. Okay. Oh, how, how, your, your name is Savory? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I think it's a keeper. Because like it's like a taste as well as a name. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think I'm two for two. Since owning my Voyage of Time hat, wearing my Voyage of Time hat when in your presence, so wow, so it's a thing. Yeah, wow. Got to keep that. Uh, it's a trope. Keep that train running. <laughs> uh, this is my first time seeing a movie uh, with you guys that I have not seen before. Nice. Oh, so okay. this is exciting for me because I'm talking about something that I've seen for the first time, as opposed to the other films we've chatted about, which I had seen before and then reviewed yeah. to uh, talk about with you. Nice. And what movie was that? Oh, uh, our man in Tehran. Cool. Great. That's a good choice. Okay, I'm into it. Let's do it. <laughs> Instead of Porky's 2. Okay, good. Did they make a second one? Oh, yeah. There's yeah. there's at least three. Uh-oh. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I don't know if our podcast will survive long enough to get to cover all those. Okay, Our Man in Tehran. It, it was completed in 2013. The directors are Drew Taylor. Uh, it was his, actually, first movie. And... Larry Weinstein, who has uh, a long career in uh, documentary making. No uh, relation to the, the Weinstein brothers, brothers, I would presume? No. Okay. No. Not that I'm aware of, anyway. Nice. Um, it was on the festival circuit for a long time, and, uh, and finally got... Uh, what, look, what I can tell from IMDb was it got a limited U.S. release in the spring of 2015, and I think it made like a few hundred dollars. Yeah, it seemed like it opened on one screen and made four hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. And by the time it finished its limited run, it had, um, according to IMDb, I mean I don't know how uh, how accurately it reflects uh, what they what they grossed, um, but by the summer, I guess its run finished and it made thirty six hundred dollars. You're kidding. That's, that's shameful. That's what that's what IMDb reports. Yeah. yeah. Oh come on. I had um, I caught this. I caught this movie, I think it must have been in early 2014, um, and I was really excited about it because I thought for sure it was going to get a, a wide release. Mm. Um, but I never heard about it um, appearing in Canadian theaters and didn't hear about it in the U.S. Uh, uh, so I thought it was, uh, I thought it, I, yeah, I thought it was kind of a lost movie. Um, but I, I do, I did, uh, I mean, it's, but I do note that uh, it's available on DVD from, um, E1, mm-hmm. Entertainment One, mm-hmm. um, and also First, you know, if I just wrote things down, I would not have to, like, depend on my memory, but First, First something, First Features, First... Uh, Focus Features? First Choice? Not, no, no, First, sorry, First Run Features Okay, is uh, one of the distributors of it on DVD. I think they have uh, U.S. Um, licensing. First Run Features I like because um, it's a specialty label that that gets a lot of, uh, that puts out a lot of documentaries um, that um, that don't have a lot of wide release. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that they picked it up. 
So it, it's, it's, well, I guess what I'm saying is it's, it's available out there. So, uh, so hopefully people find it because I highly recommend it. Um, do we know what it's about? Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> because none of us have watched it? No, right. we have watched it. Yeah, yeah, let's get to what it's about. Um, though the, uh, the, the title of the podcast might give it away. Mm -hmm. um, so it was 1979, uh, and it was, it's an event, I guess, uh, historians would refer to as the, is it the Iran hostage crisis? Well, and also just more broadly, the Iranian Revolution, I guess. Um, more broadly, sure. Yeah. Um, the uh, it, with the return of the Ayatollah Khomeini to Iran. Um, there's, uh, I mean, I, I I don't really have the historical insight to to really uh, explain the situation, but mm -hmm. uh, but certainly there was um, there was a change in in the regime uh, in Iran and. Student, what began as a student protest um, became, uh, what's that? Not a siege, but a sort of a... Almost no occupation? Yeah, they, uh... yeah they, they broke into the U.S. embassy grounds and took the workers hostage. Specifically um, because the, um, the Americans were harboring the, the previous ruler and, they, and there, were, there were concerns from these protesters that the American government was... Um, potentially backing this guy and and wanting to like reinstate him to power. But but in reality, it was just that the Shah wanted to get cancer treatment in the yeah. U.S. Uh, so it wasn't even, you know, harboring a fugitive sounds even more elaborate than what it was, which is letting someone in your country in order yeah. to get cancer treatment. And it sounds like. But Carter, even still, there was controversy over letting oh, him absolutely. in. Absolutely. And, and yeah, what was it? it and was Carter, Carter knew. Yeah. Carter knew that if they let him in that it would start the revolution, and it did. Yeah. So the story of, of the six house guests, or uh, at one time it was known as the Canadian caper, or it's been told as the story of uh, Argo. Um, so six workers from the U.S. Embassy um, escaped the grounds, and they uh, were taken in by uh, the U.S., sorry, by the Canadian ambassador and... And was it the first secretary, the the Canadian, the first secretary of the uh, of the embassy? So there something was, like that. Yeah. So the six of them were split up between the two residences. They were um, they were sheltered there until they could be uh, snuck out of the country as a Canadian film crew. Or it's a bit vague. Are they Canadian film film crew working in Hollywood? Or but but the they were given Canadian identities. Yeah. Anyway. But they were um, snuck out. Under uh, under different identities, uh, and the CIA agent uh, or operative uh, Tony Mendez, so he's he's credited as uh, as the mastermind behind that thing. His story is told in the Academy Award winning movie Argo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, starring our favorite Ben Affleck is is he our favorite the, Affleck? The best Batman. <laughs> There wouldn't, there would never, will never be a better Batman. Will Arnett's actually a pretty good Batman. He's a great Batman. Yeah. I was very surprised to be introduced to Tony Mendez because I thought he would be a real hotshot, yeah. like Ben Affleck. And then to meet this, <laughs> he just wants to rip his shirt off yeah. and look at himself in the mirror all the time. He'd just be you know? sort of puffed up and American, but he was 
a cross between Bob Balaban and Charlie Martin Smith, <laughs> and he was an artist who yeah. became a spy. Yeah. <laughs> I could not have been more surprised. Yeah. I thought he'd be like a gun collector or like a big game hunter. Just this gentle, very sweet, almost non-charismatic. Like he was seemed a bit. How did you meet him? Bland in the movie, in oh, the documentary. I see what you mean. I see what Just as real... we're introduced to him. <laughs> okay. All right. The real Tony Mendez is the show up in this in this film. Uh, if we haven't if we haven't uh, said so already, it's a documentary. So we're telling the same events that were told in the uh, the Hollywood highly, highly fictionalized. I don't know if it's highly fictionalized, but it's certainly um, there's some license. Highly highly dramatized, yeah. anyways. Yeah. yeah. Suspensefulized. <laughs> I think in this conversation we're gonna. It's not a. It, it's unavoidable that we're gonna talk about Argo. Make comparisons. Yeah. Uh, but essentially, we're 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 um, examining a Canadian telling of the story versus a Hollywood telling of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, a a fact based version versus a dramatization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, why did this film come to be? Um, it was not in reaction to Argo. Um, it was uh, uh, it was being made independently by um, uh, Drew Taylor and Larry Weinstein. And while they're preparing it, they found out that Ben Affleck had made Argo. So they were worried that um, all their work was for nothing because this big Hollywood production was coming out. Um, they went to the premiere in Toronto where Argo, um, sorry, I already said premiere, so I don't, know, I don't have to say it. It premiered, premiered. yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> was Ben Affleck there? I don't know if he was there, but he might have been, right? Because it was it would have been the big premiere. I remember um, Roger Ebert reporting from TIFF saying, like, I've just seen the best picture of the year. Um, About Argo. Re- Argo, yeah. But he wasn't he wasn't saying it was his he, what he thought was the best picture. He just felt like this is the movie that will that will be judged oh, okay. the best yeah, picture yeah, yeah. of the year. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, the inevitability. Yeah. Um, of so mediocrity. Uh, so the uh, so the filmmakers went to uh, see the movie at TIFF um, just to wonder if if uh, their work was for nothing. And they, they came away from it with relief because they were doing something different. And they, mm-hmm. were, they, had, they had done the research and they knew that they had a unique story to tell. Mm-hmm. When they completed it, I should also say, um, uh, I attended a screening of this movie where, uh, where Drew Taylor was taking questions afterwards. And so uh, a lot of this um, is from my memory of, uh, of him answering the questions from the audience. But, mm-hmm. Um, after the movie, after Our Man in Tehran was completed, they sent a copy to Ben Affleck. But that was the week where the Oscar announcements were made. So they didn't hear from Ben Affleck's people for months. Oh, really? Yeah. What, was the, what was the goal of sending it to Ben Affleck? Maybe just to see if, if, they, you know, if he had something to say about it or if mm. he would acknowledge it or something, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it seems it seems like a logical thing to just like throw on as a DVD extra on on Argo. Right? Like, uh, yeah, except that it would have. Um, yeah, I wonder if that would have been a strategy. But then it would. I, it would, like it would, would I don't think it would benefit the studio in any way because yeah. obviously it was it, like it already had enough yeah. built into it that that but, people would buy it anyway on a yeah, video but, release. But, and, but it just seems like a nice thing to do. Exposure for the for yeah. the documentary that would be great. Yeah. See, it's a part of me that feels like it would be diminished by just being you know a hundred minute extra, extra on thing, yeah. this Hollywood movie, which also just. But but to be exposed to more people and not make thirty six hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah, that would, but would, yeah, would have been yeah, very like, nice for the filmmakers. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I w- yeah, I would certainly hope for more for this movie as well. But yeah. I think under given the circumstances, a, a small Canadian documentary would 
immediately get way more exposure by being a DVD extra than any other form of extra, true, yeah. any form of uh, theatrical release or or yeah. other form of distribution. Yeah. So it was months after Argo won Best Picture um, that the uh, the filmmakers were contacted by Ben Affleck's people, mm-hmm. um, and he offered to do the narration if they'd like. Uh huh. That's interesting. So that was that was the response from it's just a Affleck's weird camp. thing because like it's not it's not consistently narrated by the same no, person. It's not, no, no, it, it isn't. Also, doesn't need it. it just, they had they had they had shown him the finished film and <laughs> and the response was well if you like if you like narration we'll provide that at at some exorbitant cost like I don't get it like I, I I'm don't sure know he would do it gratis but it was it just seems a little. A little patronizing somehow. Yeah. So, so I'm glad that. Um, and who wants to hear Ben Affleck's voice for two hours <laughs> or an hour and twenty five minutes? Like, come on. Uh, so I'm glad that our man in Tehran is his own thing. It, it just it just deserves a bigger audience, and uh, so maybe uh, the two dozen people who listen to this podcast <laughs> will check it out, <laughs> um, or maybe they'll watch it before listening. Uh, yeah, I would recommend that too. Yeah. Well, I, I did read that it won the Canadian Screen Award for Best Documentary mm-hmm. cool. for the year that it came out. Which um, would have been the same year as the Oscars, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> nice. I think that was it. Or would it be 2014 because it was released in 13? I think I think it was the Canadian Screen Awards from 2015. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. A year or two after the Oscars for Bev, where Argo run. Long, Argo after, long, long after everyone had forgotten about Argo. Yeah. Let's talk about Argo. <laughs> Let's go back to Argo. What is what is your feelings about Argo? I mean, I, I enjoyed it a lot when I watched it the first time, but I had no desire to see it again. And, and after I saw this documentary, I had even less desire to see Argo. But I did watch it... Um, before this podcast, I watched a little bit of it uh, before we uh, came to record this podcast, and I have to admit, it's it's like a well-made thriller. It's it's exciting. You know? yeah. I don't I don't uh, begrudge it for its craftsmanship and um, and that it's like a uh, entertaining way to tell the story. Yeah. I completely agree. I thought it was very entertaining, but I felt really protective and precious of this documentary, and I loved it so much that I had the DVD of Argo and this documentary, and then I was going to back-to-back them. And once I watched Our Man in Tehran, I just felt I would be disloyal to my Canadian friends <laughs> by watching this very slick Hollywood movie, which I super enjoyed the first time, but I just uh, felt a little precious about our little documentary and uh, just didn't want to spoil it with sort of American chest-thumping. So mm. I took it back to the library. <laughs> yeah, I had the best of intentions to watch Argo again, but I just couldn't do it. I just don't like that movie at all. Really? I like, did not at at, mm-hmm. at the onset of watching it. But yeah. you you said, uh, but you told me that you have it on DVD. You got it for I, cheap. I purchased it for five dollars a long time ago, like with the intention of revisiting it to see if my opinion might have changed. But um, yeah, I didn't get around to doing that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I, it's just like, like you say, it, it being this like Hollywood entertainment. Like, it just feels. Like I, I don't I don't get this sense for why why America needs another reason to um, to stereotype Middle Eastern people and like telling the story that that's set forty years ago. It's just like why why are we going back to this story now in order to in order to essentially just say that Americans are the best and. Like I, I just don't I just don't get the motivation for telling it, and 
therefore any of the like thrilling elements of it or any of the qualities of it that make it seem like it's well made or whatever just just don't really feel important to me because on a fundamental level i just take issue with why it was made hmm. and and it just it, it just doesn't present any sort of balanced representation of all of the people involved in this in this crisis as as opposed to this documentary which i felt i felt like did a, a pretty good job of of painting a picture of of what was going on politically you know who was involved whose fault was it was it for this or that and and so you get a much better understanding of all of the people involved and just the overall global impact of this event and not just let's get these six people out of this country and laugh about bad sci-fi effects from the 60s and and stupid catchphrases like Argo, fuck yourself. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I just, I just don't like Argo. Okay. Or Ben Affleck. Really? I'm neutral on him. Yeah. Just, it's like basically since Argo and then he's now he's, he's Batman, but then now he's maybe not Batman and he's quitting. So he's just causing even more problems for the DC <laughs> cinematic universe. And, um, that he was going to direct Batman and then I was not. And then like, fucking Mel Gibson's involved and it's just a mess like I just don't I don't want to be involved I, oh, I, I, okay. I don't see I think the, Argo works as a very entertaining uh, way to tell this story whereas there's a lot of documentaries or fiction films or fictionalization no what would you call it when you you're making a, do, a like fiction a drama, film dramatization yeah. yeah so whether it's Grey Gardens or Man on Wire or Eight Days in September all of these movies documentaries were remade as feature films that added nothing to yeah. the story. And there's no reason to make Man on Wire. Yeah. There's just no reason to. The documentary yeah. is superior. There's just no point. Yeah. I don't know why. You're not adding more drama. Yeah. So I thought that at least Argo, though it's very sensational, was a really good example of making something entertaining as shit. I just, yeah. I, I thought it was a great thriller. Yeah. And it added something. You know, the documentary isn't didactic, but it gives you, you know, great archival footage. I thought the talking heads were incredibly effective. So you get into the meat of the story, but it doesn't detract from the sensational feature film, which I thought was very entertaining. Yeah, but I get, and like to your point of like, what's the point of making this thing? Even even with Argo, which again, you know, can can be viewed as as an entertaining piece and whatever but like uh, uh, that was another reason why it didn't work for me because like the sort of tense scenes where it's like oh are they going to get out or are they not it's like well it's a hollywood movie and they wouldn't pick a story where like half the people end up getting like detained at the at the airport and die at the end or what you know what i mean like they're not going to to make that story so you know all six of these hostages are going to get out at the end so like when they're when the guy's like looking at their passports and looking at them and like hmm oh should i let them through like i don't know it's like i didn't feel any tension in that moment really no because i knew they were gonna get through yeah sure. well you know that romeo and juliet die at the end but it doesn't mean you can't see that story again and still hope that this time it'll be different even though you know it's inevitable yeah but i think because it's based on reality that's different. Okay. Like if it's if it's if it's fiction, I can get invested in it a lot easier than I can if it's based on something that actually happened and is likely better to be made as a documentary than a fiction film. Mm -hmm. Well, the um, uh, the structure of our humanitarian ran with uh, with its various talking heads. I mean, it does. I guess it does give away the fact that everyone survives because you, you see them in the in the in the current day. Yeah. Right. Um, but 
but I think it remains interesting to hear their stories, hear their reflections about what, what they experienced, right? Mm-hmm. The the assembly of Talking Heads, though, uh, for, as we said, uh, what seems like a little Canadian movie, I can't believe the access, uh, the the people they got access to to get, I agree. To get in this movie. Yeah. I agree. Um, they have uh, they have Ken Taylor. Taylor, sorry, <laughs> they have Ken Taylor and his wife. Um, so the uh, uh, the ambassador couple um, from Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have I think most of the six host the the house mm-hmm. guests. Um, the surviving ones, I guess, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other uh, there's other um, staffers from the Canadian embassy. They have uh, they have this they have one or two of the hostages from the U.S. embassy mm-hmm. who were actual CIA agents, mm-hmm. um, and they have Tony Mendez. Um, but who else do they have? Joe Clark, the former Prime Minister <laughs> of Canada. Who <laughs> looks looks like, like droopy? <laughs> um, and did actually, you guys did you guys pick up on that? I think I, I think he certainly uh, you know he has uh, he has the he has the face and uh, and the muscle structure and a way of talking that is so cartoonish. Uh, it's it's so his own thing. Yeah. It's like it's it's like a it's a character that you. You keep down. being you, Joe Clark. Yeah, but even even the uh, in the, the archival clip of him talking in Parliament. I mean, he still has that. Uh, well, he's younger, but he yeah. still has that same sort of personality. Get a nice three-piece suit going in there. <laughs> Can we talk about the showboating from Trudeau? Yeah, yeah, that was oh, great. Yeah. You brat! I yeah. couldn't believe he was doing that. He, yeah. What an ego! Even even after knowing yes. what was going on, like the, who, people's that, lives the, in the danger. The woman who was like the, the, the she's the foreign minister, foreign minister, yeah. right. and she she's like at some point I had to tell him what was going on because he was being such a fucking dick. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then he continues to be like, we need to, we need to know what's going on here or whatever. It's like, yeah. 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 The, uh, like the just being contrary for his own, you know, yeah. ego stroking, like just, this isn't the time to do that. Yeah. Let's just but, make sure people are, you know, the first priority. Yeah. yeah. And Trudeau, a pure Elliot Trudeau uh, is held in high regard in, in Canadian culture, but it is, yeah, it's, it's a nice clip to show that he can just be a political prick too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it really feels like this. This documentary really feels like it is the the inside scoop on what's going on because it has all these people involved. Mm-hmm. Whereas Argo, it it feels like it is constructed from um, by by screenwriters. It's mm-hmm. it's an imagining of what happened, right? Mm-hmm. And it's 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 pre- let's pretend uh, this is what was happening. So I guess uh, you know back to uh, Alexander's point. I I also feel like I have. A different reaction to things where if I know it's fake even though it's based on fact versus if I already know that it's real but it's still the, the realness of it makes it stay interesting even though I know that the that everyone survived mm-hmm. right yeah you have a lot of notes Chris did you want to <laughs> you want to lead us in a certain direction um, <laughs> I just have to say that I think this country uh, was a classier place with Ken Taylor in it hmm. I thought he was just such a knockout guy I just adored him after the documentary i looked up more about he and his wife dr patricia taylor and i found out that he had passed away and i was heartbroken oh, he, recently well I in i think october 2015 oh uh, okay and i felt really disappointed because it was one of the, he was one of those people that if he was coming to vancouver to do a talk about anything i would have gone mm-hmm. i was just completely enchanted by ken yeah uh so uh, we, I think we lost someone who was a pretty incredible man. So uh, yeah. he made a big impression on me. Yeah. Um, also, he's, uh, I think he's the author of a book uh, about this incident as well, right? 
Ken Taylor, or am I mistaken? There is, uh, because um, documentary... Who did, who did you go see at SFU Surrey campus? Oh, um, that was um, that was actually um, Mark and Cora Lychek. Um So uh, two of the host guests. Of, of Ken's or of the... Um... Um, I think of the of the secretary. And secretary, okay. Yeah. I'm not. I don't know for sure. But they were um, um, the couple. They wrote a book in, or they published a book in 2012. That uh, was their their memoirs of the situation. And also because I, I think they have, because they were um, part of the diplomatic staff, um, they had knowledge about the whole situation in Iran as well. So I I, I haven't read their book, but I think they um, they wanted to present like a. Um, like a, a more broad view of, of what was happening and what happened to them. They had a, like a publicity stop for their, um, for their book, which I attended. And uh, one of the reasons they said they wrote the book was because they wanted to get the, the story straight. Um, not, not directly, again, not directly as a reaction to Argo, but because Argo had come out and had been so popular, right. they felt that they needed to, um, to tell people about their book. Um, and, uh, and they said they didn't like the fact that Argo downplayed um, the Canadians' uh, contribution to the to the events. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's one of the things that they wanted to get straight. And that was actually that was part of the controversy that came out of the premiere in Toronto as well. Was that there was there wasn't a whole lot of attention paid to Ken Taylor. Um, so there there was a negative response to that when the movie premiered to Argo. To Argo. Mm-hmm. And then um, from from my understanding, they actually they inserted. There's some archival footage of Ken Taylor at the end of Argo, um, like at, like after they've arrived back in Canada or whatever, and he's speaking to someone. So there's footage of that, and then over top, it's like Ken Taylor was very instrumental in in the, oh. in the whole process or whatever. Okay. So whereas whereas it, interestingly, I found for a movie called Our Man in Tehran that's about Ken Taylor, very little of like like in terms of actual screen time or focus paid specifically to him is pretty low i would say in this in the documentary right i i would disagree with that i think he gets like it's fun it's it's still fundamentally about him Mm -hmm. but it's it's not as if they it's about him at the expense of not telling these other parts of the story or Mm -hmm. letting people just talk about their own experience um whereas argo is very specifically removing him yeah so that they can place Tony Mendez and, and Ben Affleck at the forefront. Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, in terms of the sources, uh, like place, sources of inspiration, I think the documentary Armand and Tehran is inspired by a book, Armand and Tehran, which is which is focused on Ken Taylor, or, yeah. or is that that might be the one written by Ken Taylor? Um, and I think it's Argo, written about him. And Argo, I can't see him writing a book. By about himself called our man in Tehran. We might have to look that up. We might have to fact check that. <laughs> we'll fact check that later. The Argo, um, Argo, I think is inspired by. Um, Did Tony Mendez write that? Yeah, Tony okay. Mendez wrote a book called Argo as well. So I think in terms of like where the where the uh, perspectives of, of the two stories mm. are coming from, that's uh, that, that's clear. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Ken shows that he was you know a, a, a longtime diplomat by never really poking fun at the Americans for being so American about mm-hmm. their approach to this, you know, uh, releasing the hostages or, or coming in and, and getting them back to America. He only uses the word cowboy, and that's like as as cruel as he gets talking yeah. about the Americans. Though he and Carol, I can't remember her last name, but she was the CBC reporter, I think. Mm-hmm. Carol Jerome. Yes. 
uh, they both talk about how it didn't need to be that complicated. You could have just said, we're a Canadian film crew making a documentary about the Iranian Revolution. There was simply no reason to make it this crazy science fiction movie. Yeah, yeah. But Americans just do things, you know, a little bigger and a little louder and a little brighter than Canadians do. And so they were both pretty diplomatic about it, Carol and Ken, but they did use the word cowboyism um, to describe Mm. how Americans just have a different approach to uh, crisis solving, I think, than maybe Canadians. um, So you you bring up Carol, Carol Jerome, yeah. So um, I guess like one thing that came to my mind in terms of like who was involved in the documentary and you said, William, like... It's pretty impressive, the, the full scope of people that they did get involved. One thing I would have liked to see more of was the actual Iranian perspective more so represented, because um, and specifically in relation to Carol's place in the film, because she's just very openly, like, very negative of, of everything that was going on and, and all, and rightly so. I mean, she saw some pretty awful, violent things going on, but... Um, I just, I just, I just felt like that could have been balanced a bit by, um, you know, perhaps a, an Iranian reporter that was that was on the scene at the same time, mm. or um, someone someone who was involved in the revolution. Or like, I, I don't know if I don't know how easy it would be to access these people, but I'd be interested to see if they tried like to explore who, that. Someone or, from Iran that actually worked at the embassy as yeah. well in a different capacity. Yeah, something um, like that. Yeah, that would have been yeah. interesting. That's a good point. That is maybe the uh, or not maybe that is a missing perspective. If if you were gonna like examine the whole situation but mm-hmm. i think it um i think with argo um the w- the popular of argo i think it really kind of like poked iranian culture uh, the iranians in the eye a little bit about saying like you got you got taken you got fooled yeah so i don't know if uh it would have been easy to to get someone involved because maybe it's just point. like it's just another another chance for north americans to ridicule iran right right um so what, one thing that kind of struck me was um, the opening of the documentary. Oh, yes. Because it, I, it was like, it was really like for, for the fact that it turns into mainly just a talking head documentary, the fact that it opens with this kind of dissonant modern piano music and um, like this kind of like deconstructive framing almost because you're seeing them setting up the interviews and so it, it to, like it almost felt like like holy shit this is going to be some like crazy like they're going to like break down reality man like what's going on like who you know is it the americans or is it the canadians and like i thought they were going to do this more kind of like experimental documentary because just the way that it was being visually set up in terms of it like them showing the the framework of of you know you see the microphones and you see the cameras and everything you see them creating this documentary it I, I it just it seemed like it was setting up a different kind of movie oh okay because because then it just goes into just straight interviews or whatever but mm-hmm. um because because of because of the whole idea of this being a different representation of the same story as argo i, I was kind of thinking in my mind okay like are they going to explore you know um what is the role of media in in how history is portrayed and that and, that, and i think that's an interesting uh avenue to explore but i guess the opening montage did not deliver on that mm. promise that I created in my own mind. Okay. I think for me <laughs> it suggested a, a level of informality. Like okay. We're not trying to pretend that this is something that doesn't require, you know, equipment and pre- preparation. Right. It isn't just this seamless 
you know, unfolding of stories. I, I liked that we got to see mics being set up. I, I it just, to me, added some informality, yeah. which made it feel, again, to me, very Canadian. It's a really good piece of music, too. Yeah. I like I, the, the opening sequence when they're showing the archival footage of Tehran. There's a Z-28 and a mule on the same street. How can you not think there's going to be a revolution? Those two things can't really exist, right? There's some. There's a big gap there. So, I, I the documentary also reminded me. I don't know if you guys have seen the PBS American Experience eight-part series Vietnam: A Television History. No, oh. uh, it's a Peabody Award-winning documentary series, and it has a very similar feel where it's archival footage, and then you see the people that were involved in the Vietnam War, like General Westmoreland or whoever would have been calling the shots, uh, and you go back and forth between archival footage and then the people that were actually making the big decisions in Vietnam. So this documentary had a very similar format, and I'm not sure if Drew was inspired by that. I mean, it, it's played on PBS for the last 30 years. It's from the early 80s. Oh, wow. So it's very good if you ever want to check it out from the library. Cool. <laughs> Can we talk about uh, the hostages becoming more Canadian and having to practice being Canadian? Hmm. They had to practice A and figure out <laughs> where's Windsor, Ontario. And though we're not the center of the universe, I'm always surprised that people have no comprehension yeah. of Canadian geography when we share the same continent. Like, how could, you don't have to know everything, but I have a you know a snapshot in my mind of what America looks like and kind of where things are. Yeah. It's like Boston and New York are pretty close to Toronto. Yeah, right. Seattle's pretty close to Vancouver. Like, even right. if you've never been to America, we all know that kind of stuff. That's right. And but they, they just have, seem to have, but they have no, no sense of the idea. Reverse. Yeah. Especially yeah. Windsor, Ontario, which is essentially, you can see America <laughs> from Windsor. I, all, I could understand that. Because, like, unless, you're, unless you live in Michigan, I don't know if you'd really know what Windsor is. But, but Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Surely you know that that's <laughs> where that is. Yeah. So did they say that they were made Canadians for uh, for the ex exfiltration, or was it were they were they fake Canadians or were they temporarily Canadians when they were exfiltrated? They would have been issued passports, so they probably were like diplomatic passports that right. were legitimate. Yeah, uh, I think it was in um, um, when I heard uh, uh, Mark Lychuk. Um, at his uh, at his book lunch talk, I think he I think he, he said that when as soon as they got off the plane, um, there was there was somebody from the Canadian government there to take their passports back. Like Is it that was, right? Like it was that big a deal? That well, it they seemed like it was super, you know, outside of protocol. Yeah. And yeah. that poor woman, you know, her hand was shaking when she's signing it. It seems like an almost dangerous thing yeah, to yeah. do. Oh yeah. Uh, even though it seems sort of inconsequential, who cares? But I guess it's a very big deal. Yeah. No, when I was traveling in, in Europe uh, when I was 18, I thought that I had lost my passport. And, um, and I was traveling actually to Africa. And so I, I, like, I was like, oh, well, I guess I need to go get a new passport. So I went to the Canadian embassy in, uh, I think it was Bern. Yeah, it was Bern, Switzerland. And... Um, uh, yeah, within like four or five business days, they issued me a new passport, but it was white. And so it was this like special kind of temporary diplomatic passport wow. that they can only issue from an embassy. And um, it only la it lasted for a year, I believe. And then um, and then when I got back to Canada, I would have had to I had to apply for a new one. But um, 
when I was when I was in the airport going to this this trip to to Kenya, um, I reached into my jacket and found my other passport. <laughs> And I freaked out because I was like, holy shit, they're going to think I'm like smuggling. Do I light it on fire? Do I? So I, no, I went into the washroom, I tore it up and I flushed it down the toilet. <laughs> what? Yeah. Because <laughs> I could, no, because like I'm in an airport. It's like they could, they could like detain me and like, like I, I was, I was terrified. <laughs> so there are, there are pieces of my, one of my former passports in, some landfill in Switzerland. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe when that's... we do the dramatization of your li- of your life in the movie, that will make a very funny scene. Yeah. <laughs> or you could eat it if that would be. Or, or I could turn it into like, like if Ben Affleck was directing it, and it'd just be like super intense and like, oh my god, they're looking at my passport. Like, why is it white? Do you ha- is that a piece of your face stuck to your jacket because you <laughs> didn't throw it out properly? What's going on? <laughs> I wanted to talk about some specific moments um, from Argo or from Armentaran, and uh, and ask you guys like, do you think you would put this into a dramatization or or well, like let me just see, let's just see how it goes. Okay, one of the things we learn about in Armentaran is uh, that Ken Taylor and his staffers were um, helping the CIA um, sort of survey the city in preparation for a commando raid. Sorry, no, in preparation for a commando raid. Do you remember that? Was it like you, Operation you didn't, you didn't Scorpio or something? Stumble over your words at all. Well, it, just, it came out wrong. It, came out wrong. Yeah. it sounded fun to me. Well, okay, well, just in case. It's just in case. We got an extra take just in case. Right, well, it's always good to You're get, editing this one. So. I always get extra coverage. <laughs> was it Operation Cobra or Operation Scorpion? Thunderclaw or something. Was that one? Eagle, oh, that? Eagle Claw. Eagle Claw. Okay. Good one. All right. So. So a plan to get the staffers, uh, the, to get the hostages that were held at the embassy was to just have like a five chopper commando unit just storm in there. Yeah. And, and so the, the Canadians were information gathering and sending this back to uh, Ottawa to send back to Washington. Yeah. Okay. Was that covered in Argo? I don't remember. No. Because a pilot died, right? When they actually tried to execute yeah. the plan. At, le- at least one. Yeah, at, yeah at le- maybe even two. Yeah. Did, Maybe they collided, or their yeah, sounded collided. Yeah, well, it, so it, it, I think it was person. a plane collided with a helicopter. So I don't know if there was a was plane it? that was oh, that was, was already on the ground. That or horrific something. footage. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. The Iranians celebrating and poking at the corpses, and I mean, just well, that's really what they. To be stuff. fair, that's what they that's what they described. Um, I don't know if we saw that footage. I don't want to. I don't want to throw gas. Yeah, we saw still fire. photos, I guess. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, Miss Jerome described the scene. I guess. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, but um, so that doesn't—that's not an Argo. Um, but to me, it seems like that would be like an an element um, that you could dramatize and like get a lot of mileage out of oh, if yeah. you were making a movie about people stuck in but, enemy territory. But it is a failure. Yeah, but the fact that there's... But Americans like to win. Okay, so that's what it's about. You can't, yeah. Maybe it's and and it's, and like as much as as much as Argo is a thriller, it's still it's still just kind of a fun movie about like, hey, movies can save everything. Hmm. Like that that's the ultimate message of it is that like Hollywood is great, and you know like creativity will creativity conquers all essentially. <laughs> <laughs> and your hero can't do wrong. Yeah. yeah. So um, and maybe that okay. Maybe that answers my uh, my next. Uh, example, which is uh, when they 
when they made the Canadian passports, they sent them to the CIA to put in a fake visa stamp. Mm. And when they and then when these arrived at the ambassador's house, they looked at it and realized that the visa was wrong. That the CIA uh, messed up the visa. Um, was that an Argo? I don't remember that being an Argo. No, I, I I don't even I don't even recall that they gave them Canadian passports in Argo. I think they I think they did. I think that didn't yeah. they make a big point of the fact that they were, they were Canadian? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I know that. Yeah, that is. I mean, that is a, that is an error that would have killed. Six people. Yeah. I mean, that is an enormous. It's a clerical error. Yeah. But that is such an enormous clerical error that lives would actually be lost. But it's yeah, a you, pretty you, serious thing. And I think it, I think it, it's fodder for like good drama. Yeah. I, th- I feel like that actually may have happened in Argo. Oh, okay. Because well, it was kind recollect. of like it was kind of like they were at the point where they just had to go anyway. I don't know. Oh, like okay. that they didn't have an opportunity to go back and fix the passports or whatever. Is that right? Yeah. I remember there's that thing about the um, about the yellow pieces of paper that had to match up or something, which I didn't I didn't quite get. Like they had to they had to pretend that the slips of paper were missing, and then they were just and then they were going to go through the airport anyway. Or mm-hmm. anyway, I can't remember that. Yeah. Okay. Um, an airport security person chasing a plane in a jeep. Is that good drama? I think we've seen it in Fast and Furious movies, so. <laughs> so it would have been legit. good. It would have been a good scene if the uh, if, if that person Vin could Diesel get on was driving that Jeep, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think but he's a bad guy now. What's going on? <laughs> Furious Eight. Vin Diesel is a bad guy. Fucking Dominic Toretto <laughs> is uh, is in cahoots with uh, what's her name from Mad Max Fury Road and Charlize many other Theron? movies. Yeah. She's in the what? new Fast and Furious oh, movie. And, and, and it's like her and Dominic Toretto are like totally hooking up, but then also they're bad guys now. And, oh. and like family's the most important thing to Dom. So why? I'm sure what happened? I'm sure he's doing it for a good reason. He's gone. He's turned bad for a good reason. <laughs> and it'll probably turn out that he's good in the end and, yeah. that they, and the family's still important. So. <laughs> uh Okay, so that that was a uh, that was a scene that's in Argo, but I think I think it's one of the ones that stick out for most people as like that's a stupid scene. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so I guess I guess your point with these things is there are elements of the story that they chose not to dramatize in a dramatization of the story. Yeah, that have real that, high drama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and and like you, um, we were talking before about what el- what other movies were nominated this year. One of them being Zero Dark Thirty. And like that is as much as as much as there are fictionalized elements in that movie, it is like a very gripping telling of the story. And um, and in terms of the actual like the actual siege on on Bin Laden's hideout and whatever, like all of that is like it's like that's what happened kind of thing. And they don't pull any punches Mm. as opposed to this other type of. This, a similar kind of story where, you know, like you say, the, the the whole helicopter raid thing that just gets removed because, well, there's controversy around it. There's someone that died, and so they just they want to they want to expunge that. Zero Dark Thirty is should have probably should have won that year, right? Was it that nom- or Life of Pi? Was it nominated the same year? Yeah, it was the same year. Okay, hmm. I, I, we already went over this. Yeah, I, well. <laughs> Wikipedia never fails. I'm doing it again for the benefit of our listening audience. <laughs> yeah. um, or, or, or The Hurt Locker, another Catherine Bigelow movie like that. The same kind of thing. It's, it's about conflict in the Middle East. But yeah, there's, there's a big scene in, uh, in The Hurt Locker where, like, where 
the main character, he, he kind of goes maverick and he's like, I'm going to go and solve a problem. I'm going to go out at nighttime and, and go to this house. And, and it turns out it's like, it has, it's like the wrong thing to do. It gets him nothing, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's like a complicated scene in there where people, uh, react in an irrational way. And, mm-hmm. and there's consequences or not, but yeah, it's it's a messy scene. It doesn't it doesn't have a clear payoff, but uh, mm-hmm. but that's in there. Yeah. Okay, I have one more example. Um, so uh, Argo, air, the airport scene where you've mentioned this before, Alexander, um, where they have to dupe the airport official uh, by showing him the the Argo drawings, and 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 they are just so starstruck by the fact that Hollywood is here. That's how they get away. <laughs> So I think it's but but and and it's still it's kind of like they're looking at the posters and they still look really suspicious and they're like oh it's totally cool you guys are yeah you're you're fine yeah. whatever it's fun everyone loves Hollywood yeah listen yeah. you've seen rubberneckers on Georgia Street I mean filming that happens around Vancouver it could be the most low rent crap television show and rubberneckers are still so yeah. excited what's going on what you shoot what's happening what are they shooting here people love it so it's not that surprising no. that. An airport official would just be gushing yeah. about having Hollywood in I, his midst. I think it's a good scene <laughs> in Argo. I think it's a good scene because it, it it injects some humor into it, in humor and suspense at the same time. I just think it is a bit um, demeaning toward Iranians to say like, yeah, this this official is so um, is so enamored with the idea that Hollywood is here. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but a real incident. Um, and I'm, I'm drawing this again, I think, from uh, what Mark Lachik said. At the airport, there was a flight delay. And the group of them had to, had to sweat it out because they had backup tickets for another flight. And they didn't know what was happening with the first flight that they were booked on. But if they were going to try to get on the second flight, it meant breaking their cover. Really? Well, everyone would see that they were going to a different flight. Right. Yeah. So that was the thing. Wow, what that a, a nail biter that was. That was an actual be. thing that they had to sweat out oh was like, do we wait for the flight to show up or do we go to the backup plan? But that's, yeah. so that's, uh, that's not mentioned in uh, either movie. Um, that was from uh, Mark Lechik's uh, uh, recollection of events. Wow. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's too much to put on there after Ben Affleck dupes the uh, security person, uh, the security authorities, or just get rid of that scene and do do something that actually happened and has some genuine suspense to <laughs> yeah. it, or or like a jeep chasing a plane. That, yeah. yeah, that has. <laughs> yeah. Oh, can I? Uh, I just wanted to. Uh, I know that we're doing the um, the real versus fake comparison a bit too much. Mm. Maybe we're doing too much. I don't know. I do. I just want to throw in one more thing. Um, which feels like it's very um, screenwriting 101 kind of a practice. But in Argo, they're constantly putting on clocks uh, to to build up the tension, right? And one of them is when they announce, oh, the Canadians are going to close the embassy. We have to to take action. I don't know if if it's explicitly said in Armand Tehran, but that was never a thing that happened. The Canadians never said that you have to get out because we're running out of time. They mm-hmm. were they were staying open for as long as they needed to stay open. Right. And yeah. And and then they they had to of course uh, close shop right away when they uh, when they did their thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I want to touch on Jimmy Carter because mm. uh, you know I remember this being on the news when I was a kid 
um, even though it's, it's you know 79, 77? The, the, this incident? It was 79. 79. So I was nine years old, and it was certainly on television. And I think I always got the impression that later that people thought Jimmy Carter was weak. And I know that Ronald Reagan kept saying that about uh, about Jimmy Carter. So I was really heartened to hear that people that we heard in the documentary thought he was noble and compassionate mm. and really cared about people. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the first time I'd ever heard that. I think Jimmy Carter's a pretty extraordinary man, but I guess I just always thought that he was weak in this situation as opposed to being thoughtful. Mm-hmm. So I was really glad to hear that everyone in the documentary thought that he was a, a real stand-up guy as well. That's a good point, Chris. Um, and it, and it's, it's a reminder. Um, I hope I have my facts right here, but the resolution of, of this hostage crisis, even though that people were, um, were held captive for 444 days, um, did, did everyone get out alive? Yes. Yeah. And I think it's, 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 it's a horrific thing to imagine uh, being captive for 444 days. And there was uh, certainly some of them were subjected to abuse. Um, but that they all got out of there is, is quite an accomplishment in terms of, um, you know, is it, is, is it uh, because of diplomacy or, you know, those political negotiations? Um, so, you know, uh, Jimmy Carter and Joe Clark um, as uh, leaders of their respective countries, they worked together and they made sure um, people got out safely. It, it is surprising because Carol comments that this taking over the embassy actually marked the end of conventional diplomacy and it became a global issue because taking over an embassy is actually an act of war. Mm-hmm. So this was such, like, there's, there's no way that no one would, there would be no collateral damage. Um, it's it's extraordinary. It's, it's inconceivable. That no, it's inconceivable that, that you could save that many people. It is yeah. true, and, and certainly the the CIA plan to storm in there that probably um, that probably had a calculation about how many acceptable deaths there would be. Most definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, Did you know that there was a Canadian TV movie that was based on this? Uh, no. Oh, you guys, it has the worst name. Escape oh. from Iran, the Canadian caper, which you mentioned right. earlier. And I'm going to ask you to guess who played Ken Taylor. Donald Sutherland. Oh, no, but... Th- oh, my God, that would have been perfect casting. Yeah. No, it what, wasn't Donald Sutherland. Uh, what year? 81. 81. So, that so quickly been... on the heels of wow. this happening. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Kurt Russell. Oh, I wish. It was a Canadian actor. It's Canadian, probably the most Canadian Paul actor. Paul Gross. <laughs> <laughs> at at eight years eight years old. Yeah. Uh, the most Canadian actor from the early eighties. Yeah. Oh my God. How, oh yeah. Uh, You've you have reviewed a movie by someone who has directed him in a different movie. Uh, I'm going to say Sarah Pauly because yeah. you're not going to guess. So now you have to guess oh. who played Ken Taylor. Sorry, sorry. You said Sarah Pauli. It's a Sarah Pauli movie. Yeah. So he was he was in a Sarah Pauli movie. Yes. And he played Ken Taylor. Oh, Gordon Pinsent. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Okay. Away from her. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> huh. So I don't know if you can get that. Maybe if we could YouTube it, but I bet you it's pretty awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Likely. Um, speaking of casting, um, what what really struck me in uh, when we got introduced to all the people in Armand and Tehran. 
I just it was it was that I realized Argo is cast for how they look. Absolutely. Yeah, they they just went out of the way to find people who looked like them or, or had the right yeah. hairstyle and yeah. So, yeah. including Victor Garber, who yeah. I adore, and I thought it was great that he's also Canadian and mm. got to play Ken Taylor. And on casting, um, well, not really about casting, it's real life casting. Uh, my point is, um, Alexander, sometimes you and I point out the things about a movie that are identifiably Canadian. Yeah. Um, on our website, filmedincanada.net, there's a section where we, uh, we were working on a uh, glossary of, of these uh, like Canadian tropes. Oh, you're working on it. Yeah. I've put zero <laughs> effort into it. <laughs> You've helped me define some of them, and we identify movies that go in there. Yeah. Right? And I don't know if we have an entry about multiculturalism, but we've, you, we've talked about it before, where we, like, mm-hmm. this multicultural, multiculturalism is, sometimes goes uh, unmentioned in Canadian movies. Mm. Um, and it, it seeps into real life, too. Uh, in, like, Our Man in Tehran, it's really clear how there's so many mixed couples mm-hmm. uh, among them. Uh, yeah. yeah, even among the U.S. Uh, That's right. people, but uh, that there's uh, mixed ethnicity couples, uh, and and while that was uh, something that um, uh, was really prominent when I watched the documentary, I couldn't remember if that was a detail in Argo. A lot of that came up through the like the wives of the various male diplomats, I guess, mm-hmm. and I don't know that they were really in- included in Argo at all. Like was was uh, Patricia Taylor in Argo? Don't remember. I don't think so. Yeah. I think but, a little bit, like maybe entertaining yeah. because you know they would yeah. have sort of yeah. dinner parties for their yeah. yeah. Cora though. I mean, she's certainly from. She has some Asian um, ancestry in her, um, mm-hmm. and I don't remember the the actress who played her in Argo. I don't remember I she remember. being she no. seeming like she had any yeah. uh, other um, cultural mix in her. No. Yeah. And then the only other one that I was thinking of was the other the first secretary was was it, was it like. The, the, for, I, the, I'm, for some reason, I'm thinking of his name as Swearingen, but that's... Um, what's <laughs> Someone's his, what's last his name, name was Sick. Yeah. I can't remember what... Gary Sick. I think it was Gary Sick. He was one of the CAA Right. Guys. Yes. It's not, but it's not Swearingen. That's, it was like Spearhead or something? Spear? Spear? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that guy, his, 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 his wife was some variety of African, it seemed like. Right. Or, yeah, or, yeah. or she's, and she's like from, from yeah. the... West Indies or whatever the yeah. more modern way of referring to those islands is, the Caribbean islands, I guess it seemed like she had she had a vaguely like kind of Jamaican accent, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, but yeah, they, they, that character wasn't in Argo at all. I don't think right. It was all just they just pretended like everyone was in Ken Taylor's house so that they wouldn't have to cast another Canadian actor. I guess. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess we're uh, wrapping it up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we usually uh, rank the movies we view um, based on our arbitrary rating system. We don't rank them, we just rate them. What are we rating this thing out I've of? I've ranked them on Letterboxd, although I haven't checked in on that in a while. So Okay. Yeah. Should we employ like a new rating system? Like what if, I was thinking like jug, like a, like a jug of maple syrup. Like, then you can just say, like, that's, that's worth a full jug, or that's worth half a jug. That's less than a full jug, that's half a jug, right? It's just like... Is, it a, is it a liter, or is it two liters? No, it's just a jug. It's a jug of, <clears throat> jug of maple syrup. Yeah, but I need to know how much maple syrup we're dealing with here. Like, how long is it going to last me? Well, the, the point I'm making, though, is, like, if you, if you had a full jug, you're, you're well off. But if you're running out of syrup, you're in trouble. 
That's what I mean. So I need to know how much syrup I'm starting with. I think a jug is never less than adequate. But can you give it more than one jug or is it only within the jug? You know, we could make it easy and just say half sack. So it's all at a six. So (laughs) it's a six pack of beer. And if it's fantastic, it gets six beer. Gets a full half sack. That's actually great because I prefer I prefer a I prefer a rating grade a grading system of out of six than five, right? Just Just to be different, sure. Well, then uh, I don't know if I'm ready to get rid of the leaf rating system, dude. Oh yeah, then let's not. You guys, you might have to take it back to your board and uh, have a meeting about it. Okay. Well, then we gotta we gotta we gotta rate this thing out of uh, an X number of leaves. What's that number going to be, Alexander? Well, no, I I'm I'm not ready to get rid of the leaf rating system. That doesn't mean that you can't use jugs and you can't use half sacks. No, I'm going with leaf. I'm going with leaf. That's okay. Uh, I don't even remember what the last prime number we did was, but I think, I think it's probably 71 now. Great. Or 77. So chip, pick, take your pick, 71 or 77. I'm going to go with 71, and I'll give it, um, I don't know, 49. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Chris? I would give it a, a solid 65. And I do have to add that you were talking about your glossary earlier, and then we didn't do a roundtable for what makes this movie Canadian. And I just have one observation. Please share. Uh, You guys are too young for this, but there was an anchor uh, that was on Canadian television for probably 35 years, Knowlton Nash. And so that's the anchor that we see telling the story. And I just haven't thought about Knowlton Nash in a million years. So it was great to see Knowlton Nash on uh, Nice. On the, in the documentary. Nice. Yeah, I do remember Nolan Nash. You do? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that is part of the glossary. We, uh, like, I think it's CBC personalities showing up or something right. in the background. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Good one. Cool. Uh, did, you give it a, did you give it some leaves yet? Yeah. You did? I gave it a solid 65. 65. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to give it 60 leaves. Nice. Well, thanks for having me, you guys. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Always fun when you're talking about Canadian movies, right? Always, eh? <laughs> yeah isn't it though isn't it though yeah um send us an email at filmedincanada at gmail.com or leave us a rating slash review on itunes because we still only have two of those one of which is from my mom and one of which is from a former guest of the show and actually one of them we do have three because one of them was a friend of mine Zuri, from down in seattle but i can't see that one because I don't, i'm not on the american itunes store well i do have to share with you fellas that my uh couple girlfriends from Vancouver Island listened to the Strange Brew episode and really oh, enjoyed it. Nice. And a girlfriend in Calgary also listened to it. So I nice. should get them to uh, send you guys a message saying how much they enjoyed <laughs> the episode. We, we, do, we do need validation. Gotcha. So <laughs> That's great. We're actually, so we're, we're, it's verified we're heard in at least two provinces. That's right. Pretty impressive. <laughs> I, and actually, no, we've had, we've had people write in from Ontario and yeah. Saskatchewan as well. And my girlfriend in Florida, pardon me, also listened to it. So Beautiful. Oh, my friend Jurgen in Australia listens as well. Okay, now you're making shit up. <laughs> no, no, he's real. He's a real person <laughs> that I once knew. But speaking, I still know. Speaking of my mom leaving us a review on iTunes, uh, she says hi to you, William. Oh, thanks. And uh, she didn't know you were going to be here, Chris, but she has mentioned in the past that she's very much enjoyed your insights on oh. past episodes. So if she knew you were here, she would have also said hi. <laughs> We'll tell her hi right back. There you go. Well, you, she'll, you'll, she'll hear it when she listens to this episode. <laughs> Great. Let's take, we, we should move this uh, mutual appreciation meeting off radio, <laughs> off the air. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll open up that uh, half sack and, uh, and toast another episode in the can.
<laughs> oh, oh, it's spilling. Uh. All right. Okay, thanks for listening. I uh, hope you'll listen again. And, and we're done. Bye-bye.